it's wonderful to have you with us today. And Dale, absolutely happy birthday. And what Sam said, we, uh, we have no idea the amount of hours you put into helping our, our church here. So thanks and have a great birthday. Yeah. We also, um, we also want to make sure that we um, keep uh, Joe Webb and uh, in the family. You've got lots of the family here at our church here uh, uh, Joe had a heart attack this week, it was a pretty serious one, drove himself to hospital and then uh, Neil was telling me that uh, the doctors at RBH said most people with this sort of heart attack usually die, but not our Joe, he just drives himself to hospital to make sure he's okay, but, uh, yeah, but we definitely need to keep him in, his, in our prayers, apparently over the next month it's quite, uh, it's quite important uh, with his health for them to monitor it, so it's something we want to keep. I'm sure there's lots of other things happening in our, our school community, church community that need prayer for, that maybe we're not even aware of. But uh, certainly know that um, if it's a higher or low, it's really important to us and important to God. The whole idea of love dates and heartbreaks. Uh, over the last few weeks, and, and I missed last week, but Dave, how did you go, mate? Should I ask Kim? Kim, how did he go? Top knock. Now, I'm sure that Dave, Pastor Dave, uh, I'm sure that Dave last week brought his hammock. Can anyone remember the hammock story? Those of you who haven't heard that story, it's way better sitting around a table and listening to it. It is the best story. And Kim, I think you might even tell it just as well as Dave. It's, it's a classic. So thank you for, um, for preaching for us last week, Dave. really appreciate that. We've also had Neil and Sarah and myself. And, and in that period of time, we've talked about some of the myths and we've talked about some of, not just remedies, but to actually say, from the outright, relationships are really significant and important. God actually created us in this world to be in relationship. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden, he was in relationship and fellowship with God. And he looked around, he named all the animals, he looked around and he noticed that he was a helper short, a mate short. He, he was looking for someone that would be his closest companion, friend, lover. And God said, put him to sleep, took a, took a rib out and formed out of the dirt through the power of God and created a woman, Eve, uh, who he loved so, so dearly. And from that time, uh, this excitement, and on the other end, it can be quite tragic when we go through the heartbreak. And, and today, what I want to do is look at a subject called the Groundhog Date. Now... Anyone know where that could be? It, it is in the Gold Coast. So it, it looks a little bit like the Gold Coast, but it's somewhere very pretty. Hawaii. Yeah, it's the only time we ever went. And let me tell you, I could tell you a story about the Hawaiian trip, but I want to be able to go home and eat lunch with Kara. Uh, so that's for just when we boys get together tomorrow at cricket, maybe. <laughs> Swear it to secrecy. But uh, Groundhog Dates. So... For those of you who are under the age of about 30, you will have never seen this movie. Uh, you will have found it very uncool. But for those of us over 30, you'll remember a gentleman called, I think it's Bill Murray. And uh, will it play? Let's check it out. Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day! Groundhog time. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Weatherman Phil Connors. <laughs> is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Phil? Mad! 
Man Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing! But Phil's about to find out. He's not just stuck in Puxatawney. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck... In Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. Bill? Next. I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again? At first, he was a little anxious. Bill? What? Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? I'd say the chance of departure is... Actually, after sorry. watching the trail, I'm not sure any of you will go home and get that video out. But, um... The whole idea of Groundhog Day was where he would wake up and life would just repeat itself day after day after day. And he would encounter the exact same experiences, the same people on his journey each day, and each day he would actually up the ante to the point where he knew that uh, he could he'd get run over by a bus and still wake up the next day and it would all begin over and over again. Now... Today in life and in our, in our world of relationships, there potentially could be times where we actually have turned our relationships into groundhog dates. Now, this series, when Neil and I were actually looking last year for a series for our church, this series we looked at because we recognise the fact that as a congregation, we are not aiming our target audience is not just Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Our audience are people who have probably just finished North Pine or are still at North Pine, and they're coming out of school. They have no church background. And so when we looked at this idea about dating and relationships, we thought, is that something that would be relevant? And we said, absolutely, 100%. Because relationships do matter. Whether you are single, whether you're a student, whether you're single again, whether you're dating or dating again, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you've been married a long period of time, or perhaps you've been through the heartbreak of separating and divorce and, and the horribleness that can come with, with those sort of things. In life, the thing that breaks my heart, and I'm sure for anyone sitting here today, the thing that will break your heart is when you look around and you can see people making relationship decisions which you know aren't going to end well. I might have to get you to switch through. In my first week when I preached four weeks ago, I spoke about two myths and I wanted to just go over those myths because you probably forgot them. The first myth was the right person myth. Once you meet the right person, everything will be all right. It's almost like the Santa Claus myth of relationships. You only need that one and life is just going to be sweet forever and ever. And the second one is the promise myth. And the promise myth talks about, I promise and say, hey, I love you. Why don't, why don't we spend the work for that relationship? It is going to continually struggle and it will struggle. All you need is a promise and a party, and that's a myth. Again, was in the first week uh, when I spoke in John 15 and verse 12. And the Bible tells us my command. It's a really good one. My commandment is this. Love each other as I 
have loved you. We've talked about dating, and the reality is, for any of us in the panel, uh, for any of you younger people who've dated or perhaps are dating, you'll be able to say straight off the bat, relationships aren't always easy, they're often complicated. And they can be complicated. Very complicated. You know, it's often been said, how to date in a different direction. Your direction, and I think we've got it up on the screen, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Just have a read of it. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. It's hard to change directions, especially when it comes to relationships. And part of the problem, and I put it up there because I need to, I need to learn this as much as anyone. We learn from our mistakes in the areas that matter the least. We repeat our mistakes in the areas that matter the most. This is especially true in the arena of relationships. Why is this? I've got a few other myths that I wanted to add to it because these are myths, not just urban myths, but these are myths that our culture and our society has actually put into our minds so that we actually begin to believe that this is true, that this is how relationships should work. Now, after we go through the myths, I would like to share what the Apostle Paul shared with the church in Rome about what it would be like to have a relationship that is not built on what society sees a relationship to be, but a relationship that is built on the foundation of a God who created this earth. Let's quickly have a look at these myths and then we'll jump into the scripture. First one is called the experience myth. Experience will make me wiser. Now, for some of us who've been uh, married for a while, we'll go, there's, there's some truth in it. But no, experience makes you older. Experience doesn't guarantee next time it'll be better than the last time because like Groundhog Day, we can repeat the same mistakes. Because the, the mistakes that, that we fix up are usually the least important things. But the most important things, we continue to fumble and stumble and, and get ourselves into strife over. The second one is called the know better myth. Since I know better, I'll do better. When confronted with a bad decision, we often say, I know, I know, I know. Since I know better, I will automatically have the ability to do better. It's a myth. Know better doesn't always know better, do better, the time myth. Now, when it comes to do with time, this is another myth in our relationships that are, that are incredibly important and incredibly that we stumble across all the time. Younger, other people my age are dating or, or engaged, or you, you may think my friends are all with someone and I'm not getting any younger. I want to tell you that as a person that hasn't quite hit 50, but it's coming around the corner, I've seen friends my age, not younger, but my age who are making the same bad decisions that I made when I was 17 and 18. It's like they haven't learned. They've put another 30 plus years on their lives and they're still 
making the same bad decisions. Time is against me. The next one is time is your friend. If you want to date, live and romance in a different direction, you need to break to regain your balance. One of the biggest challenges, and Andy Stanley and the North Point Church have actually put this series together, and Pastor Andy, listening to his sermons, and I tell you, he's a good preacher, that guy, but listening to his sermon on this subject, he was challenging me, and, and I want to challenge you too, that if you actually get to that point where you feel that uh, I've just got to rush into this because I'm going to be on my own, I'm going to be left out, Andy Stanley in his series actually says, no, stop, take a break. In fact, take a break if you're just dating or, or you're in a bad, take a break. Don't just spend five minutes taking a break or a week or two, but take a decent break so that you can actually evaluate, you can actually assess what it is that God will bring into your mind to create better relationships for you. And when I read that, I thought, Andy, I wish you'd spoken to me when I was 18. I wish you'd spoken to me when I was 19, 20, 21, 30. And probably even today, I still stumble and fall when it comes to relationships. There's a really cool little statement about time. And it says this, in time, you'll be able to hear things you can't hear now. This is incredible wisdom. In time, you'll be able to see things you can't see now. In time, you'll be able to own things you can't own now. You'll recognise your contribution to the problem without a break. You'll just blame. You can't blame your way into a better future. Blame. Listen to this. This is such a powerful little statement. Blame allows you to smuggle your issues into your own future. I wish someone had told me this years ago. Blame allows you to smuggle your issues into your own future. Blame sets us up for rinse and repeat. Welcome to Groundhog Day. So today I want to give you the first step. I want to give you the most important step that that I'm certainly discovering and finding in relationships And it has been stolen from the Apostle Paul. Paul, his mission and ministry was to the Gentile people. They were idol worshipping. They were slave owning. And they were all about who is mighty makes the right culture. He had to confront so many assumptions that needed to be abandoned. And he wrote to the Christian church who were living in Rome. He gives them and us the way to move forward in our relationships. You want to check it out? If you've got your Bible, open it. If you've got your phone, open it up. Uh, Don't check those uh, social media things yet. Uh, Just jump straight into it, because we're going to have a look at Romans chapter 12. And it's just two verses. Romans chapter 12, it is possibly, potentially, two of the best verses that we can read, that we can find about relationships. As parents, we need to live this stuff into our kids. As grandparents, we need to live it into our own kids and our grandkids. As young people, you need to live this into your life. 
Share this with your mates. Share this with your friends. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Now, I've put a little bit of my own little take on it as we've gone through, but Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, this is Paul saying, hey, sit up and listen. This is super important. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, he loves you in spite of you. How cool is that? He's for you. God invites you to call him your heavenly father. Thank goodness for that. To offer. Now, this is our contribution. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When Paul wrote this, he wrote it in the Greek. But the word that he, that he actually pinpoints in this verse, which is really significant to us, in English, it actually can be interpreted two different words. Logic or logical. He says to them, if God loves you and is for you, surrendering your behaviour isn't unreasonable. Offering yourself to God is the most logical, is the most logical or reasonable thing you can do. Refusing to do so is the most irrational and illogical thing that you can do. So what, what Paul is saying to the church in Romans is that I'm going to urge you because this is significant. I want to put it out there that you put an underline under that word urge. In view of God's mercy, this is this, the only reason we can know that God has mercy is if we're in a relationship with him. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Well, I want to know, when I read this verse, I want to know what God requires of me. He's talking about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. He's not asking that we go out and put a knife in ourselves as a sacrifice to God. But what he's saying is pleasing to him. This is truly significant. And if we do it, it will actually be, actually be seen as true and proper worship. True and proper worship. So it's a logical thing to do, not unreasonable. Romans 12.2. Let's go to our next verse. And this is from the paraphrased Sean version. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. Just stop there for a minute. Conformed is not a word that we often use. I think teachers at school often try and conform you students uh, because there are rules and regulations to make life happy for our teachers, to make life happy for our principal, to make life happy for all of us in our school community. But here it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, the pattern of this world. When I turn on my TV, and at the moment, uh, we are, we've got a real first world problem in our home. The only thing on our TV that works is the antenna. Now, that's old school, because I've gotten quite accustomed to my favourite channel on TV called KO. It won't work. I'll be looking to move, um, you know, on Sundays, move into some of your homes to watch my rap of the footy. But the reality is, 
don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. We are very good at conforming to the pattern of this world. If you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, you have to do something different. And Paul is saying it, literally. Are you ready for it? Do not be formed according to the pattern of this world. Don't form yourself or allow yourself to be formed. Don't be this guy or don't end up like somebody else. But, the next part of the verse, but be transformed. Now, I've got a little slide of a little gingerbread man and a transformer. Conformed and transformed, I thought about the gingerbread man. Because, you see, most gingerbread mans come out of the same cookie cutter. They do. That's the shape of most gingerbread men. And, you know, you can decorate him a bit different, you can, like, spice him up a little bit in the ingredients if you choose to. But a gingerbread man is something that follows a pattern that this world has said, that's what a gingerbread man looks like. And in our culture... It sounds a little bit like this. Guys are all the same. 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 And on the other side of it, women only want a ring. Women only want a ring. Women only want a ring. There is a pattern in our society that has suggested that the type of people that we should become are moulded like the gingerbread man. But in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world like a gingerbread man, but be transformed like a transformer. Because when you are transformed, things become different. The decisions that you make are intentional. Paul tells us how to do this by renewing your mind. The renewing of your mind requires that you restore, that you change, that you redo, that you reprogram yourself. You have to take off the old and put on the new. It takes repainting a car or refinishing furniture, of which I'm not much good at either. The only thing that I can remember about transforming something that was old into something that even looked better was when I was a young fella, my dad said, would you like to help me do up our piano? And I was like, I don't even know what that means, Dad. And he said, come and help me. And we pulled the whole piano to pieces. And then we sanded it back and got the paint off. We were transformed, make it look really schmick. And I'm so glad that he took the time to show me. And as we pulled that piano down, there were so many pieces of the piano um, that I didn't even know existed. And we pulled off every little piece of timber. And Dad said, now, son, don't use the sandpaper against the grain. Go with the grain. Yes, Dad. I'd learned that. I was about 18, so I should have known that. And as we sanded it back, Dad gave me different types of sandpaper. He said, we'll start with some rough stuff to get the paint off, but then we're going to get finer sandpaper and finer and to the point where it's actually smooth and there's no defects in the piano, in the, in the timber on the piano. I said, oh, Dad... Okay, and I just watched him because he was transforming me 
through showing me what it was to do something properly. And as we sanded it back and sanded it back, eventually I came to my dad and I said, Dad, is it finished? And he said, yep, we're now ready to paint it. Like, So we went and we bought a special paint for the piano. It wasn't going to be just a cheap paint. It needed to be the right paint. And as we painted it, and we made sure that we had good paintbrushes that didn't leave bristles, and, and we made sure it was done properly. And, and then Dad would say, son, we, ne- we now need to sand it back with some light sandpaper. And we would sand it back, not back to timber, but just back a little bit. And he said, son, we need to apply paint to it again. And we painted it lightly again. And he said, son, we're still not finished. And we got out an even finer sandpaper and we sanded it back a little bit more. And then he said, son, we're now ready for the final coat. And as we applied that final coat and made sure that it dried, I want to tell you, it looked magnificent. It was, I'm definitely not a master craftsman at all. My dad had that ability. My dad had the patience. My dad had the expertise to make sure that it was done right And I believe this is what Paul is talking about in this scripture. If you want to build a good relationship, don't be conformed by the standards or the mold that our society has put upon us. Don't. Unless you want to have a groundhog date where you just keep going from, hey, this is a great relationship, and then it just starts to fall away, and you say to yourself, he's not the same person that I thought I had. I need a new right person, and you start again. That's not how you build the sort of relationship that it's talking about here. Because when you become transformed, it is so, we have such an advantage as Christians to have Jesus on our side. Because he has set the Holy Spirit to help us be transformed. And it takes work. It's not something you just throw together. Like my dad taught me with the piano, you had to apply the right techniques to actually build a good relationship. And it takes time. Paul knew it, and he shared it. Allow yourself to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation takes intentionality. The renewing of your mind requires a change. It requires for you and I to actually look and assess where we're at, the mistakes we've made. But it also says, in the new, you can take off the old. The new peels off the old. This is why people start over with good intentions. But history repeats itself. You made promises that didn't stick, and that peeled off. Renewal takes time. But the thing that I want to tell you that is not a myth is that time is your friend. When it comes to marrying people who've been married before, and I've been in that situation, I nearly made the mistake where a person, let's just catch up, let's meet up. And Kara said to me, uh uh-uh, uh, it's not in my little, uh, no. Kara said, I need time. And the wisest thing that Kara did in saying that to me as an impulsive male who was ready for another groundhog date of making similar mistakes that I'd made at age 16 and 17, was that she was right because time allows you to test and improve. 
you've been able to discern, you've been able to critically examine your life and go, there are aspects that aren't right. Romans 12.2 says, you need to be able to test and prove. You need to be able to figure out what's going to be right in your relationship. And there's the tough one. What's God's will? People could preach about this till the cows come home. Ricky could preach about it. Neil could preach about it. Dave could preach about it. We could all have a go. But God's will. The thing that I know about God or God's will is that he actually wants what's best for you. He actually loves you. And that's why we refer to him as our father. Because he actually wants what's best for each and every one of us. He wants to make sure that our lives are good and pleasing. He also knows that in our relationships, we need the time to mature. Regret and resolve are not enough. I'm sorry and I'll do better. Rarely make us better people. I think the way you've always thought, you'll do the things you've always done and the result is always Groundhog Day. There are some lethal assumptions, and I want to just quickly go through them. But there are some assumptions that we as human beings make that are actually opposed to this transformation. The renew- There could be 400, but there's just four that I've listed. Once I find the right person, everything will be all right. It's an assumption. It's a lethal assumption. Number two, my situation's unique. No one else has ever been through what I've been through. Fair dinkum. It may not be right, but it makes me happy. And God wants me to be happy. Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew 5, blessed are those or happy are those who are hunger and thirst for doing the right thing because they will be full. There are times that if we need to find that happiness, we need to do the right thing in God. Chasing an appetite does not leave you full. It leaves you hungry, empty, and wanting more. And the last one is, sex will solve it. Sex won't solve it. Sex will complicate it. Sex creates obligations, expectations, and literally, babies. Sex will not solve the problems. Just thought I'd throw that in there, just in case you guys don't need to know. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, In conclusion, the Bible tells us, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And in Romans 12, verse 2, in the paraphrased Sean version, which is probably false, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you do, then you'll be able to recognize God's will for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will for you and for me. Specifically for those of you who are dating, I want to tell you that if the two of you are heading in two opposing directions that you are wanting to pursue or be transformed in the renewing your mind in God, and your partner or the person you're dating is not, then take a break. 
Take a year off. Now, this is a bit scary. Take a year off. Because the reality is you'll commit to the year and you'll probably... Reality is two weeks into that year, you'll find that Miss Wright or Mr. Wright just come walking in and, and you'll be like, but Lord, I've still got another 50 weeks. But take the year off. If you don't want the next time to be like the last time, do something different in the meantime. This is really cool. I like this statement. If you don't want the next time to be like the last time, do something different in the meantime. If you take the time to renew your mind, you will never regret it. I have a warning for you. And the warning is that this is not easy. I'm glad that Car actually said, buddy, hang on a minute, wait up. Because it made me go back and reassess and to actually build a better Christian man out of myself. If you don't want the next time to be like the last time, do something in the meantime. This is how you prepare to date in a different direction. That's how you prepare to avoid Groundhog Day. The big idea that today's sermon, I'm sure that you picked it out. The big idea is this. How can you ensure the next time won't be like the last time? Don't be a conformer. Don't become like the gingerbread man where you conform to the pattern of this world. Become like a transformer. Be transformed in the renewing of your mind. My prayer for each one of us is this topic is not easy. Um, this topic of love dates and heartbreaks um, is tough for each one of us preachers to present because it's dealing in the intimate part of your heart. But I believe that if there's one area that the devil wants to pull apart, it's our relationships. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be full. And today, my hope and prayer for each one of us is that we become transformed in the renewing of our mind. We're going to invite our band to come forward and invite you to stand as we sing our last song. Thank you, Sean. That was really awesome. Um, we'd love for you all to stand, please, and sing our last song with us.
We acknowledge the fact that uh, as human beings uh, that you've created relationships, uh, they bring us so much joy.
And uh, Lord, all we want to do is follow the example you've given us in Romans 12 about making sure that we create the best relationships we can so that we can be the happiest that we can be here on this earth. Uh, Lord, I would just want to pray over our congregation. We, we all, we're all rookies in this area. Um, for some of us, uh, we struggle more than perhaps than the person next to us. And Lord, I just pray that you will be that one that will come into our heart and our mind so that we can logically work out how to create the best relationships we can. Lord, uh, for our young people, uh, we pray for them. For our dating couples, we pray for them. For those people who are married, Lord, we pray over them. For people who are in relationships that have fallen apart, we pray for them. For people who are trying to rebuild after having a life fall apart, Lord, we pray for them too. Lord, I pray that we be challenged, uh, that relationships, while they're not easy, you have given us a power. The Holy Spirit will transform us so that our minds can be different, so that we can actually live in relationships that give us 100% joy. Lord, uh, this is my prayer today. Please be with us as a group. Amen.